tonight on Hops and Box Office Flops. For most of our lives, we make our own rules. We don't do any favors. We don't ask for any. Watch the ABVs, but you can know the alcohol content and still chug the wrong thing. The only thing we know for sure is this. IPAs, porters, stouts, pale ales, and reds. They're all better off drink. Hops and box office flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Welcome back. This is our 123rd episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by Wabam Entertainment. That's W-O-B-A-M Entertainment. Tonight, in the final entry of the Hops and Bruno Flop series, we're headed to the lawless Prohibition-era Texas to shoot it out with warring bootleggers in the worst reimagining of Yo Jimbo, Last Man Standing. No, not the Tim Allen show. Oh no, this is the last Bruno flop. What are we ever going to (laughs) do? Oh, we can run this back like six more times. Uh, Basically, everything he's done for the last four years technically counts for this, but we've got plenty of catalog. (laughs) Oh, no, pass. We could even do the 0% Bruno flops. (laughs) I, I don't hate myself enough, but we'll see. Yeah. So for tonight, along with me, me being the man born without a conscience, we have the cutthroat gangster who only has a first name in the bedroom, Captain Cash. Hey, everybody. This movie is not that bad. It's still not good, but it's not that bad. Yeah, but we've been through worse with Bruno. (laughs) In the very recent past. Though I would like it noted, Hudson Hawk was by far the best of these movies. I yep, not even a debate, and good thing Chump Zill is not here to try and debate it because he's wrong. Uh, we also have the pod's resident damsel in distress, uh, whose fear is his curse, Mayor McCheese. I do want to say that at the beginning of this brainstorming session, I really wanted to do the jackal, and I kind of stand by that. I think I still would have rather watched the jackal than this, even though this has a soft spot in my heart, and Captain Cash isn't wrong, it's not. A bad movie? It's just a yeah, movie. It's aggressive and it's aggressively mediocre. Yeah, it's striving to hit middle ground yeah. as hard as possible. I'll say this for it. We've gone through a number of movies that I really liked as a kid. We came back to them and I learned, holy shit, I was an idiot as a kid. And this one, I'm kind of like, yeah, no, I was dumb, but it you know, could have been worse. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I agree with that. Like, I thought it was way cooler when we were in college and drinking Natty Light and watching these bad movies, and then watching it now, I'm like, oh, it's not that good. Why <laughs> did I spend two hours I mean, it's, of my it's life definitely, on this? It's not terrible. I'm not sitting here like, oh my god, how did this ever get onto a big screen? But I'm just like, ah, so much wasted opportunity. Lots of wasted <laughs> potential, and it's it, this is like one in a giant bucket of action movies. I probably thought were really kick-ass when I was younger that turns out are just like very average and that's okay. 
Well, and the other thing I was thinking about, and I think I mentioned it to Mrs. McCheese last night, like when this came out, there was no John Wick. There was no movie that was like so awesome gunplay revenge movie that you were like, holy shit, that might, that's my litmus test from here on out. So this not, thing, not this even thing was John pretty... Wick. This was two years, three years before the Matrix. Yeah. So like, so, I mean, Back in yeah. those days, it was probably pretty cool if you think about it. What was when did this? What was it? I mean, we'll get to it in a second. But when did it come out again? Ninety six. Ninety six. Oh September yeah. September so ninety six. This was this was super. Shit, I was twelve years old. <laughs> yeah, I mean, think about think about any gunplay or any fight scene pre the Matrix that was not like a Hong Kong kung fu action thing or it's, Bond. Yeah, or Bond, but it's nothing but quick cuts. There's no like, there's no like consistent like. Here, w- watch the cool choreography. It's just he's gonna shoot some people, and oh look, we got cool new blood squibs. We can put one in the hat. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where you, when you look back and let's call it retrospective glasses, it it loses a couple points just because of what's been made since it came out. Exactly. Which, a lot of things that are super innovative and super awesome have come out since 1996. I, I guess my, the one movie I could think of as being maybe a contemporary to this because of sort of the setting, uh, maybe Desperado, but I don't know how well that holds up either. I haven't seen Desperado in a long time, but it's a lot like this where, there's lots of bullets and very little brains to the operation. Like it's just, Hey, people are going to get blown to smithereens and this guy's never going to get hit except for maybe once. And of course he's super cool and everybody wants to be him. I don't know, but I haven't seen that in a long time. You sure you're not thinking about that song Despacito? Pretty sure. But I mean, maybe that's it too. <laughs> listen, I'm not going to sit here and listen to you badmouth Robert Rodriguez. <laughs> there's, there's no way that Desperado didn't hold up better than this movie. Well, yeah, I, I guess I guess we're going to have to watch yeah, it. And I guess. Have, a, have a quick aside. Yeah. Uh, well, in any event, guys, we're in for a real treat because this is the biggest flop of the month. And that's not an understatement. Like this one didn't even make back its budget. Whereas all the rest of the Bruno flops at least surpassed the money that was spent on them. Although, of course, when you total all that up, they were still probably not. I am very excited to hear how bad this did. Because again, it did very poorly. It was one of the largest flops at the time. Like, yeah, at the time, it might have been the largest flop ever, right? Yeah. Um, So, points of order, you can find the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Hops and BO Flops. Uh, you can find myself when I'm not wandering around dusty ghost towns in Texas at writer TLK on Twitter, Captain Cash, where can they find you? You can find me at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most of your social media. And Mayor McCheese, when you're not hiding out in uh, ice freezers to avoid Irish gangsters, where can they find you? Oh, I thought you were going to say the part where it's like a weird hot naked bath with Bruce Willis. Uh, I am at H-B-O-F McCheese on the Twitter machine. Listen, I operate on the same level as both Bruce Willis and Nick Cage. I only engage in gunplay mid-coitus. Otherwise, I I can't help you. The only way you can shoot the most straight is being fully naked. That's true. I use my, you know, as an aiming device. (laughs) What are are those things called when they uh, try to find water on land? 
Oh, uh, divining, divining rod. That's, <laughs> that's what I call it. In fact, the divining uh, rod. It's your, it's your shooting divining rod when you're fully nude. I would say like him fighting, you know, doing gunplay naked would be like an advantage because maybe they would come in. They're like, oh, my God, put on, put on some pants. But like literally nobody is able to get the jump on Bruce Willis in this movie. It helps that he has like 56 rounds per clip. Well, I mean, we're getting but, way ahead of ourselves, yeah. but some of these yeah. guys would be better if they would have thrown the gun at him instead of shooting. <laughs> or just jumped out the window. Ow, did that kill yeah. me? No, but it hurt. Like, it, like, hits him in the head long enough to daze him, and then they can get in the room. Yeah. I, I do think, and this is, again, jumping ahead, I think we get Willis's cheeks in this, right? Oh, yeah, we, we get... Oh, there's I mean, some Bruno not, butt for sure. Yeah, you don't get full Bruno, but you get, you know... But you're moonlighting for sure. Nice. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, we we definitely get Bruno's cheeks with his pre simple jack haircut. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the haircut's appropriate for the times. Is it? A, it's a '30s gangster, like depression era, prohibition era gangster haircut. I'm assuming you've done your research to know that he's the, a dapper the, Dan man. The high end, tight, awkward, angled yeah. buzz cut was what they did back in prohibition era. Yeah. Listen, if you need to hide the fact your star is definitely losing all his hair, can I just recommend what I like to call the alt right? Yeah, it's funny yeah. though, because then Walken shows up with like a plethora of hair, just like fuck off, dude. I'm still rocking it up top. <laughs> no chance. Both of those wigs are terrible, but Walken's might be worse because it's this weird orange thing. How did we not get the slow-mo he gets out of the car in the dusty west and takes off his hat and does that like head shake <laughs> thing where he unfurls his hair with his face scar and you're like, oh man, Christopher Walken means business. Maybe he's born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's Jericho. Uh, maybe so- maybe it's burning an orphanage of millions of children. <laughs> yeah. No, nah, no, nah, he's he does it down here. It's burning an orphanage. Yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry. More, I'm not as good as the gravelly voices you are. You're the voice <laughs> guy. So last man standing is free on Tubi. Um again, this is not the Tim Allen show. Or uh, not Tubi. Yeah. Or you can rent it for $2.99 across platforms. That brings us to beer. And tonight we were drinking Furious IPA from Surly Brewing Company. It pours a reddish amber color and carries a nearly Captain Cash approved 6.7 ABV. I felt the beer was apropos because David Patrick Kelly, who plays the Irish gangster Doyle, is basically furious the entire movie. That or just batshit insane. So his, his direction was be angry, but like high pitched angry. Go. Since I'm not good at names, can we just call him Sully for the rest of the pod? Yes, yeah, Sully. Way okay, thank you. It was sort of like, hey, David. Or Sully, remember that that scene in Commando where you proposition Radong Chong and she tells you to take take a hike and you respond in a really terrible way? Like just do that, but on take it up like six notches. Can we can we go higher than when you I call mean, her a whore for no reason? For what it's worth, he almost gets killed last. It's close. Almost. Almost. He's like second almost. to last. He's yeah, he's not the last man standing. Right there. Yeah, he's nor, the, nor is he the second to last man standing. The fourth to last man standing. I believe Listener, you called you, you call that Mr. Congeniality, I think. Yeah. Nice. Listener, I could not get this beer, so I am having a whiskey because that's all they have in this movie. Uh they do. They drink a lot of whiskey. 
Uh, I appreciated that they uh, they did the product placement for the JB Scotch. Not a great Scotch, but you know that happens like movie. two minutes into the movie. <laughs> yeah. I'm not they really sure. wanted to they wanted to get those advertising dollars stat right up front. I'm not sure how much sense that makes, considering it's prohibition. So unless the bootleggers were labeling their, I mean, could have come from Canada. Yeah, I don't know. Or as the movie says, from Mexico. Also, yeah. maybe Mexico. You know, you know, Jim Jim Beam and their giant Mexico uh, operation that they run down there. No, yeah, they're pretty big down there. No, probably not. Uh, so this beer, I actually like it. I like uh, Surly's beer. I I did Axeman for Bullet to the Head, which was coincidentally directed by Walter Hill, just like this movie. I would give this a. Uh, Two bad movies. I drink this beer for two bad movies. It's not my favorite IPA. It feels a little dry. A dry PA, you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. Surly makes good beers. So as I said, Walter mm-hmm. Hill, he's back. Welcome back, Walter. We love you. Uh, even though this is not your finest work. And I said, Walter Hill, bullet to the head. Of course, the Warriors. David Patrick Kelly, big part of the Warriors. 48 hours. He's a good director. This was unfortunate for him because it's not that the movie's terrible it's that it did so terribly at the box office controversial opinion i like this better than i like bullet to the head i'm not sure that's super controversial but i would disagree i put them kind of in the same but yeah they're both like run like average action movies one of them has axe fighting though that's (laughs) a good point they're they're kind of in the same camp if you will uh so let's get to the cast because it's friggin' stacked uh which is tragic because I just don't feel like a lot of these guys have a lot to do. And we'll talk a little bit about that later and why that is. But uh, you've got Bruce Bruno Willis as John Smith. You've got Bruce, one of the hateful eight, Dern as Sheriff Ed Galt. David, this is my week off, Sully. Uh, (laughs) Patrick Kelly as Doyle. Christopher walking on sunshine as Hickey. Needle-nosed Ned Eisenberg as Fredo Strazzi. William E.B. Sanderson as Joe Monday. He's literally the same character from Deadwood, just transported 70 years into the future. Listen, in the same way that Michael Imperioli perfected the sort of weaselly second hand in the gang that he then later employed with Christopher in The Sopranos, so too did E.B. Farnham just kind of figure it out. This is, this is where he needs to be. I'm a bartender and hotelier. it's just like this was the most expensive character shop ever we got christopher we got eb farnham i mean arguably we got the uh bruce willis's character from the fifth element yeah the meat popsicle why can't i remember his name i'm not gonna lie to you corbin dallas there it goes jesus corbin my man if they offered a hotel and bar saloon like one of those disney adventures you'd know better than anybody but EB was the bartender. I would literally just go in every day grinning like an idiot. Like, <laughs> can I have a whiskey? And then he would talk to me and I'd be oh, so sure. happy. You want a whiskey? Which yeah, kind? We got I'd several. Be, I'd be so happy. <laughs> uh, would you yeah. like me to call you a cocksucker while we're at it? <laughs> <laughs> that's, we got, that, we got that's whores gonna be, in this town. <laughs> that's going to be an extra $3. You want me to throw a CS on it? Oh, man, that's just too good. As oh, Captain Cash said, we get Michael Primal Imperioli. Welcome back, Mike, uh, as Giorgio Carmonti. And then, hey, Leslie Mann makes an appearance. Yes, Leslie Mann, 
as a treacherous prostitute named Wanda. (laughs) (laughs) And you get a sense that this lady is funny and should be doing stuff like, like when she's not betraying Bruce Willis very briefly, she's pretty funny. She's there to add uh, levity, which there's not a lot of in this movie. This movie is really dour, which I'm fine with. I don't mind pressing. I don't mind that he's essentially a piece of shit that you have to root for out of necessity. Uh, But it's nice when there is at least some levity and uh, the treacherous prostitute Wanda. That's what she's here for. I was about to say, if you could have like a five minute interlude between EB and Leslie Mann, where they're just talking, talking to each shop. other yeah yeah they're literally talking shop about being a bartender and a whore like it would have given this movie the comedic pause that might have been necessary just some breathing sw- room you know just to swallow the gunplay to come <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm down with that maybe that's a deleted scene <laughs> no we'll never fucking know <laughs> yeah so last man standing opened in september of 1996 on a budget of 67 million it grossed 47.3 million uh, critics were just as unkind as the audience. It's at 37% on Rotten Tomatoes with 30 reviews. There is no Metacritic. Um, I would assume that would also be low if there was one. According to Wikipedia, though, this is considered a cult classic along with, drumroll, The Jackal. Uh, yeah, I, <laughs> love the jackal. Wow. I love The Jackal. Uh, I find that a little hard to believe. I believe this is a cult classic far more than I would believe The Jackal is one, but I still don't really think this would be a cult classic. Maybe hey, Jack Black's me. in the Jackal, all right? He is Jack yeah. Blackle. Jack Blackle. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I mean, the, the the Jackal also led to one of my favorite family stories, which I can either tell now or tell you guys offline. <laughs> I, well, I'm intrigued. I think. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think our audience yeah, can't leave it hanging. Yeah. All right, so so. I mean, we won't go into names, but so my my father used to go to Canada every year for an annual fishing trip for work. And one year he took my oldest brother, who's 11 years older than me, and my father's best friend, who also went on the fishing trip, loved to play pranks, thought it was hysterical. This is all pre 9-11. So as they're oh, no. coming... <laughs> As they're coming we, back, we took a hard left turn in this story. I, I no, 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 no. I, I want to know where it goes, though. Keep going. Well, no, this is just this is talking about airport security on the pre nine eleven uh, uh. front. So, and they they constantly pranked each other, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, on the way back from Canada on this fishing trip, um, my dad's buddy gets through security, and my oldest brother is next in line. And as my dad's buddy gets through security, he turns around. And literally lays against the glass that's right there and starts screaming, he's the jackal. He's the jackal. You guys don't know. He's the jackal. And they detained my brother for three hours and interrogated him. That's perhaps the best practical joke ever played in coordination with a Bruce Willis movie. (laughs) How old was your brother at this time? Uh, I mean, he had to be in his mid twenties, so okay, he was fine. Like, all right, yeah, like, yeah no, I was no wife, no being played on, like, yeah. you know, a fifteen-year-old. No, no, no wife, no kids. Probably like twenty-three because he was he he started going when he was younger. But in response, as the next the next year, in response to the jackal thing, uh, my brother emptied out all of my dad's friend's luggage and just put one big rock in his suitcase. And then when they sent it through security, they're like, sir, 
what are you doing? He's like, what are you talking about? And they like brought him aside and they opened up his suitcase and it's just a 40 pound boulder (laughs) (laughs) and all of his shit is gone. (laughs) That's incredible. I feel like we're getting far afield, but I, I, what happened to his stuff? Yeah, they packed it in another bag. They don't want to throw it away. They want to be that mean, but still. Like they did a lot of these pranks to each other, but the Jackal one always sticks in my mind because one, I actually like the Jackal movie. And two, every time I see my dad's buddy, all I can think about is him yelling, it's the Jackal at my brother. <laughs> uh, well, that's it was, and literally it was right as the movie, it had to be right around when the movie came out because it's the only reason he would have known to make the joke. And I mean, airport security took him seriously. <laughs> well, that was that movie was supposed to be like loosely based on like a real thing right or am i just oh i have uh, no idea that's yeah. why i wanted to yeah. that's why i mean i i i would have rather done the jackal but it made just enough money to not be a flop okay that that beer's good because that leads us into our one sentence description and captain cash will begin with you how would you describe last man standing again not the tim allen show in one sense, I think you can uh, stop. I don't. Th- I don't think anyone's gonna <laughs> think we're talking about Tim Allen's. I know we have one listener who's a huge fan. <laughs> you you tra- say you gotta, that you got to trade like, talent to get talent, son. Every time I tried to Google this, it came up with that fucking show. I haven't seen one episode of that show. Yeah, but when yeah. I went to when I went to rent this on Amazon last night, it kept forcing Tim Allen on me, and I'm like, "No, the movie from '96." It's please. like, which episode do you want? <laughs> the the one where he drives to a, a small Texas border town and murders a bunch of people. Yeah, like a, a ton of people. The one where I he mean, fights bootleggers. Is that? I mean, to be fair, it's not like Tim Allen doesn't have some you know history with illicit substances and trafficking them across borders all right hold on this is going kind of sideways and i apologize but it just dawned on me why the fuck are they in texas when they're trying to bootleg into chicago when canada is literally well no they're right fucking there they're bootlegging from mexico yeah Yeah. into into texas to send it to chicago well, Listen, there's a lot of logistics here that don't make a lot of sense. Just get the whiskey from Canada. There's literally a Canadian whiskey called Canadian whiskey. Very inventive. I mean, it's not tequila, hey. though. <laughs> yeah. Well, if this movie is any indication, they only drink whiskey and beer. If if I cannot have a Prohibition-era margarita, <laughs> I don't need any Prohibition-era booze. Thank you, sir. It's called I'm a Prohibition-era there's one, there's one scene in this movie in Mexico, and that bar seems like a hell of a lot more fun than the entire town of Jericho. That's all I'm saying. I Until do everyone dies. They shoot the town of Jericho with the yellow Mexican filter. Yeah. Get in every movie. You want to give it you want to give it that like dirt sepia tone, like not quite sepia, more of the yellow gradient, but still in the same realm. Let's go with that. That's how you know you're sort of, you know, south of the border-ish, but maybe not. Uh, but no, my uh, my one-sentence description for this movie, you know, I, I had to think about this a long time because I don't have a great one because I want to reference, like, Yojimbo, but Prohibition Era, which is the thing that Yojimbo was adapted from into. So it's like full circle Yojimbo. Indeed, yeah. Which is why I thought you'd go for the easy one. Yo, Bruno. <laughs> Yo, Bruno. Uh, 
My longer one would be, when a man with no name crosses paths with warring gangs in Jericho, Texas, nobody is safe, including logic and the viewer. Uh, <laughs> Ballistic physics. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, Mayor McCheese, how would you describe this in one sentence? I know I've been on a hiatus. And I think the, the last pod I was on was Die Hard, right? That tracks. Yeah, that was Die Hard. Yeah. So I tried a Russian accent on that one. So I mean, again, not great oh, at accents. Yeah, please I'm gonna, do I'm one gonna, of the accents from this movie. <laughs> no, I'm not going to try one from this movie. I'm going to try one of the uh, like over the top ones, but it's going to work. Hold on. Give me a second. <clears throat> Meh, see? Where'd they steer our plot? See? Meh. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, yeah. I mean, that, that was that was an accent. So, uh, so I guess we should maybe clarify because if you're not familiar with Yojimbo, which was directed by Akira Kurosawa, that was starring adapted, the great Toshiro Mifune. Yeah, that was adapted from a 1929 novel, which hopefully Captain Cash doesn't know the title of because technically it's one of the trivia questions, but maybe he does. But then they made A Fistful of Dollars, which was a spaghetti Western produced in Italy, which did not get permission from Kurosawa to replicate his film. This movie actually did. He gave it his blessing. And it's also why he receives a uh, story credit in the film. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't seen Yojimbo, I would highly recommend it. I'd highly recommend A Fistful of Dollars as well. Um, I think they're all, they, all, each of these movies that have adapted this story all have their own merits. Well, I will say the Yojimbo thing is interesting because in Yojimbo, it's very much a, like a a whiskey thing. Well, it's not whiskey, it's sake, but whatever. Like the, the alcohol plays a bigger part of why there is a gang situation. So from yeah. that perspective, I thought it was interesting. And this movie, which we're going to get into the plot right now, after I give you IMDb's one sentence, which is a drifting gunslinger for hire, finds himself in the middle of an ongoing war between the Irish and Italian mafia in a prohibition era ghost town, which, yes, that's the movie. Yeah, that's it. Uh, So let's get into the entire plot. John Smith is on his way to Mexico, fleeing the U.S. before he can be arrested for a crime they never mentioned. That's one of many things in this movie that is just, hey, this is this is happening because it needs to happen. Yeah, Whatever. He's, he's the he's man with gun, no name. He, yeah. yeah, he's a gunslinger. Let's move on. His last stop is Jericho, Texas. Now, as he slowly drives through this sparsely populated ghost town. Well, hold on. Hold on. Let's back up to how he f- finds his way into Jericho, where he stops at a fork in the road and spins a bottle of Jim Beam. Yeah, that he goes, has just finished. It's, yeah. it's not Jim Bean. It's J, J and B. J and B, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, he, he spins the bottle of J and B and goes on the fork that the bottle points to. <laughs> I mean, that's that's how I make all my navigation decisions, no? Yeah, I mean... I mean, that's an easier way to drive around Pittsburgh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, fuck you, Siri. Let me just get out the bottle and... Okay, it says go left. Let me just stop in the middle of the bridge here. <laughs> see where i'm going next uh yeah bad spin by him uh because he winds up in this town and uh sparsely populated he's accosted by these irish thugs uh and they get really mad at him because that's a theme here nobody likes bruce willis yeah misdirected anger yeah well Uh, and then like literally in the in the scene where he drives into town the italian gang gives him that like classic italian like hand to the elbow kind of insult whatever i mean i'm guessing it's italian for fuck you that thing the hand to the elbow yeah. and the, and the, the chin yeah. flick like 
and he's just a dude trying to drive through town. He's just like, driving through. Yeah. Like, I they mean, really like no one in town likes a random stranger, no matter who they are, stranger or not. Fuck you. Get out of our town. Yeah, the, which... this, the economics of this town make zero sense because wouldn't you want people in this town buying your illicit booze or staying in these places or not gambling a, or something? Not if it's an entry point. The, yeah. the booze comes in and has to go somewhere else. Well, you know, like I'm just imagining like Al Swearingen isn't going to curse you until he knows that you're a piece of shit. And uh, no, then co- he's going to no, have Danny. He knows you're a cocksucker, yeah. not a piece of shit. You're a cocksucker. Yeah, I, I can tell you from personal experience, I was a cocksucker straight up just any old person <laughs> yeah. walks through that door. You know, like the town has to function or run it away. But anyways, these Irish guys beat the shit out of him because he makes eyes at Doyle's girl. Uh-huh. Who's Doyle? Well, we're going to find out. Uh, they trash his car. They send him to cry to the sheriff, who's Bruce Dern. Of course, that old fool is bought and paid for. And frankly, I don't know why he exists. But anyways, Jericho's run by these warring gangs, the Italians led by Strazzi and the Irish led by this guy, Doyle. Uh, Each is trying to cut into the other's bootlegging business. Now, when Smith arrives, he's sort of caught in the middle of this delicate truce. Uh, That's, of course, not going to last long because Smith is super pissed about his car, decides he's going to go murder an Irishman named Finn. Does. uh, Which which he does. uh, Handily. (laughs) Very easily. Mm. He said, what does he say? Are you going to kill me? He's like, that might hurt too bad or something ridiculous. And then he shoots him with a pistol. And since no, he, he, no, no, he shoots him with two pistols, two pistols. He, he never shoot- takes a single pistol in the entire film. It's always at him, least two. He shoots him, I would only assume, is 30 times from a gun that cannot hold that many rounds. It's and a lot. Yeah. Apparently, the bullets are the same weight as bowling balls because it throws the dude end over end 30 yards into the street behind him it's a real he literally does a backflip he does a full backflip yep it's like if he was trying to walk headlong into a jet engine that's firing that's how he gets like (laughs) propelled backwards and and we we skipped over it but it's something i like about this movie and they don't they don't lean into it hard enough but the like non but actual relationship between gunslinger Willis and the undertaker, where they just make eyes at each other, like, Hey, thanks for the business. And like, Hey, thanks for burying that front yeah, face. Hey, like, thanks for building that, that box. They could, they could have taken, you. they could have taken five more minutes and made something out of that. The same thing as we mentioned earlier on the Leslie Mann and the bartender thing, like they could have done something with that undertaker because they come up to it, they nudge next to it, and then they just were like, oh no, he's an Undertaker. Like, For what it's worth, though, that. that is one of the better points of levity in the film because the Undertaker has no lines, but whenever he sees John Smith, Bruce Willis's character, he, he's like smiling to the point where I think... Oh, he gives him a hat nod. Yeah. He gives him a hat nod the one He's time. literally billed as like, smiley the Undertaker. <laughs> uh, so, true story. The Undertaker actually, he wouldn't have had a prominent role, but in the more fleshed out version of this film, Bruce Willis is going to this specific town for a reason. And that reason is that his partner in whatever crime he has perpetrated is waiting for him there to provide him with the fake documents to get into Mexico. And when he pulls up down that main drag and he sees the guy in the pine box, that's his partner. 
Are you serious? That was the story. I mean, that's a way better movie. Like off the jump, that's that's a hundred percent better. Listen, true story. The Undertaker threw mankind off hell in a cell. Hell was, in a cell. Hell it was in a cell. Brutal. Uh, <laughs> that Undertaker gets around. Um, but yeah, that was the the story. As and we're gonna get to a question better. about the director's cut, but. This movie was is a, a movie that was hacked to bits, and that's why, as I go through this plot, a lot of it doesn't particularly make a lot of sense because there was like thirty minutes of connective tissue that are just not here anymore. Well, let's just are, hit the high notes. Yeah, we yeah. Can... I mean, they they kind of stitched together with a, a voiceover from Bruce Willis's uh, character that is very God. like forced. I did this, and then yeah. I said a cliche. Yeah, I'm here to make some money. And I can do that by double and triple and so, quadruple crossing these people. Before I rare quintuple cross. Yeah. Before I restart the plot, I am curious how much better is the movie if E B is the narrator? He came into town. <laughs> <Stop breathing. laughs> God damn it. <laughs> he had one of them haircuts that looked like a gentleman who was clearly Losing his, the fight against male pattern baldness, but he was giving it hell. Uh, I don't know if I can continue on tonight. I think I'm done. I think yeah. you guys can do the rest of the pod without me. So, so I'm just saying, better movie. Uh, so then Strozzi, noticing uh, the talent of John Smith, hires him. Uh, they immediately break the truce by stealing a shipment of Doyle's booze that's coming in from Mexico, along with all his trucks. Uh, there's a gunfight sex scene that happens somewhere in here, which we'll address later. I gunfight sex scene. Yeah. Cheeks. I, pro- I promise we'll talk about Bruce Willis's ass later. I think I, we already did once, but we'll definitely yeah. circle back to it. Listen, I'm I'm always in for moonlighting. Brief pause. So one when we're introduced to Christopher from The Sopranos, I don't know him as anything else. He's Strazi's cousin or whatever, but he's the second in command because he's. Oh, hold the... on, what's his dumb name so we can just refer to it as that? His name is Giorgio Carmonte. Giorgio, it's uh, Giorgio. Giorgio. They call him yeah. Giorgio in the movie. Yeah. So when Giorgio, so Giorgio is like the son or the cousin or the nephew of somebody important in Chicago. Whatever. So he's a he's effectively the the right hand or the second in command of the Italians. Gets really pissed off that they've hired Bruce Willis because. Bruce Willis has murdered, I think it's at least three of the Irish gang. He's like, you're going to fuck up the truce. And I remember as a kid watching this and going, this guy's a weasel and he sucks and he's a coward. But as I'm watching it again as an adult, I'm like, wait a minute. He's kind of got a point. He's he's kind of not wrong about Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis is going to screw you guys over. Yeah, I mean, if they would have yes, stopped, yeah. if they would have not hired Bruce Willis and just put a bullet in his ass, like the truce would have continued and they all could have imported their own booze and just hey, dropped the them thing. off. Yeah. yeah. Here's the thing. This guy whacked three of your guys. Now listen, professional courtesy. Here's his corpse. We're still coming for you, but you know, we, well, we have no, a thing going Professional right courtesy. Now. Here's his corpse. The truce stands. Yeah. We're going to bring some you know, booze or drugs in. Yeah. That's that's the thing, because here we are. Immediately after this scene, Smith betrays Strati. He tells Doyle exactly what happened. And this is sort of like the theme of the movie, like with all the stuff that's cut out. It's just like from scene to scene, him betraying people. And nobody why, being like wise enough to be like, no, no, dude, I, I, you're done. Like we're, we're done here with you. Not only that, there's a handful of times where they have the drop on, on Smith. 
they can kill Bruce Willis in the street. And for some reason, they opt not to. And it's just like, shoot him. Yeah, he's just sitting there. Like, they, the sheriff even says, like, you're awful brave. It's like, oh, I don't got anything to worry about. I've just been betraying people for three, two weeks. Like, I mean, they, they do a lot of what drives me insane in this movie. And yeah, he, he does his double and triple and quadruple turncoat bullshit. But like, what drives me crazy on the other end is when I think on both sides, they are like, you can't quit us. You can't quit the gang. And I'm like, Oh my God, if that's your reaction, just fucking shoot him. There's no laws. Like clearly there's no cops. The cops are owned by you too. Just kill the guy who is annoying you and move on with your day. Like I get where this comes from. Yojimbo where, you know, it's a skilled swordsman who. If you go up against him, there's no guarantee you're going to win. Versus you got a gun trained on this guy and he's 30 feet away from you. Just And normally he's half click. of the bag. <laughs> Bang. Oh, man. Listen, a line comes up and I have never felt so fucking attacked in any film that we have done than the line Bruce Willis does. I decided I'd dry out. Didn't have a drink for two days. That's pretty good for me. What are you trying to say, Bruce Willis? I'm in a pandemic right now. Yeah, fuck face. I'm stuck at home with two kids in a pandemic. Like, you get off my drinking habit. Yeah. <laughs> your biggest problem is getting betrayed by prostitutes, all right? <laughs> like, you're yeah. living it. Should be so lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Leslie so, Mann tried to butt fuck you. Don't be so upset. So I'm he, sure they're sure Adam Sandler paid good money for something like that. Yeah. So he goes on betraying people until uh, Hickey shows up. That's Christopher Walken. Uh, and he heads to Mexico and unleashes all manner of hell for retribution and kidnaps the dipshit halfwit Giorgio. Now Smith is off doing treacherous things. Halfwit, who is 100% right about not yeah. trusting Bruce Willis. He's the only one who sniffs out that Bruce Willis is probably a rat who just wants money. Uh, so Smith goes, discovers where Doyle's girl is. Her name is Felina. She's played by Karina Lombard. She's in this plight because her husband got in deep with Doyle with some gambling and lost. This is followed up with my actual favorite scene of the movie, dialogue-centric scene, with Captain Tom Pickett, played by Ken Jenkins, who basically sits Smith down and he's like, I know what you're doing. There's two gangs here right now. I mean, you should say he's like the lawman. He's He's, over our Yeah. He's, he's an a, actual, he's a ranger. He's an yeah, actual ranger, ranger who like, he can walk in in five seconds and be like, oh, yeah, I understand what's happening in this town. There's a fucking gunslinger playing both slides and an inept fucking sheriff. Yep. And if it's not done by the time I have to come back because I have to enforce laws and you people are screwing it yeah. up. I have better shit to do than come that, to this fucking dirt water town. Yeah, then yeah. I'm going to take care of it in my own way. <laughs> He's like, kill all of you. It's sort of like that scene where you realize like all these people in this town, they're here for a reason. They're small time. And this guy's not going to mess around when he comes yeah. back. This better be done or he'll finish it. Like, yeah, he's going to come back with a bunch of shooters. He's going to come back with a bunch of actual bad shooters. And if they haven't figured out their own shit, then the law is going to figure it out for him. It's my favorite scene in the movie. It is probably the best scene because he's the only person who, well, he has a short uh, role, but he nails it and he nails it in a way that is 
uh, accurate for the time and for the movie. And there's and not it a lot does of a good job bullshit. of it does a good job of raising the stakes. Well, and like, like at, the, the, at that point, you're like, oh shit, the adults are in the room now. Here's the thing, they did that right, which they had somebody on board who knew that like that had to happen. How did that not get applied to the rest of the movie? <laughs> well, yeah, and I don't know. But anyways, back to Hickey. He's got Giorgio. They're going to trade him for their trucks. And then at the handoff, they discover Strozzi has kidnapped Felina. So this is just kicking the can down the road. Uh, what really gets the plot moving, because Smith is still like sort of a unethical piece of garbage. He's just trying to play both sides for money is when this girl, Lucy, who's Strozzi's girl, shows up all mangled. They've cut her ear off. She got lippy. Which that was some yeah. gross makeup work, man. Yeah. That's that's appropriately like, whoa. It, it was that was not good. bad. That was pretty good. That was not bad. Yeah, and I didn't really mention her earlier in the plot, but she's another one who understands basically what he's there for. She's not an idiot. She's wise to what he's doing. She just knows that Strazzi sucks, and she's cool with it. Like, and I mean, Bruce Willis yeah. does sleep with her because Bruce yeah. Willis is is the best OC character in this Yojimbo fanfic. Do not copy. Yeah. And then, of course, we get our obligatory weapons check scene, uh, which is very like this happens in the Punisher. It's like, all right, here we go. Like, <laughs> it's time. It's either I got a, I got a billion rounds. Yeah. Load them up guns. or shut them up. Like, here we go. So you would think, because that doesn't what happened. That's not what happened. Because Smith goes <laughs> back to work for Doyle, who says, hey, watch over my girlfriend. Of course, he's not going to do that. He murders all of Doyle's men. Uh, even though they try to shoot him first, which was like, wait a minute, this totally makes no sense because he's there to like protect her. He prompts them in no way they try and draw first. It's very strange, and it's probably because the movie was hacked at hell. I, I feel like we've glossed over how involved Christopher Walken has been in this film. Yeah, I mean, because Hickey's he, the man. Yeah, he's Hickey. Hickey is the... I guess the right hand to the Italians and Christopher Walken is in a ridiculous orange wig. Irish. Just, he's an Irish. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yes. <laughs> you're, you're exactly right. He, he, because he's got red hair, right? Because all Irish people have red yeah, hair. Of course. Of but, course. Yeah. Like, right? I guess he, he's the guy who at three years old slid his own father's throat. And then at 15 burned down the orphanage that they put him in. And it, like, there's this whole mystique around Hickey. And when he shows up, it's it's Christopher Walken. You're like, okay, it kind of worked. Okay, yeah. yeah, maybe he did. The movie's noticeably better in the scenes he's in. I'm I'm just gonna put that. The guy who plays Strazzi doesn't have the kind of dramatic weight required. And as much as I love David Patrick Kelly Sully, he doesn't either. Like he's I... woefully miscast as this Irish gangster. It doesn't work. But then Christopher he... Walken shows up. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I'm into this. Here's the thing that's kind of interesting. The heads of both families are are kind of fuck ups. Like they're they don't it's not like they're overtly bad, but they're blinded by greed or their own thing. And it's their, I mean, it's their of, right hand men that are the ones that are the actual competent ones. What's that or at actually least effective? Kind of, that actually yeah. kind of tracks if you you know even go back to a lot of gang lore, but at least the competent or at least the, the, the number one or the, the go-to guys 
represent properly the gangs that they are there for. Doyle does not seem to be anywhere near Irish. And Strassi is such a caricature of an Italian that you're like, all right, I, I guess that's... Yeah, sure, why not? He likes pasta. Yeah. I, yeah. Like, if they applied the same caricature logic to Doyle, Doyle would literally be like, Honestly, I'm much more here for that than I am for just not trying at all. I want me whiskey charms. They're magically delicious. Yeah. Yeah, why not? What are you doing there? Laugh. <laughs> yeah, I'm here for that. I'm uh, it, playing off EB, like for sure. 100%. Oh, wait, hang on. Well, what are you what are you doing, Mr. Leprechaun Man? <laughs> well, don't you know I'm running a whiskey business? <laughs> oh, yeah, that works. That I, I can't have works. this many drinks and be given free reign to do random think, accents. Bring my about, ass in. Yeah. Uh, no, I think I think we're on to our next script. We'll just have yeah. you do it all voice. Hey, get Walter right Hill on the phone. Uh, by the way, Walter Hill directed the pilot for Deadwood. So, oh well, that make that makes sense. Yeah. Anyways, back to this plot. Uh, Smith blames Strozzi for the massacre. Hickey's quite suspicious. And when he discovers Strozzi doesn't have the girl, they finally were like, "All right, dude, we've had enough of you." They torture him. They, again, they worked him over pretty good. It, why again. don't they just shoot him? <laughs> I yeah, don't I mean, understand. They could have taken care of a lot of problems by shooting him at several moments in this movie. I feel, but it's because they don't know where uh, Felina is or wherever, right? Yeah. She's in the West Texas town of El Paso. Isn't that Felina? The song from in the last episode of Breaking Bad? I once knew a girl named Felina. No one right. knows what you're talking about. I, 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 think I, I'm I, I thought it was Juanita, but everyone knows who's Juanita. No, wait, that's a different one. Yeah, anyway, different one. Ah, so Smith escapes. They go scouring the town for him. They wind up burning down this Italian uh, hideout. Of course, he's not there. That's what they think he is. This is probably one of my favorite like absurd scenes because they shoot Giorgio maybe 500 times. <laughs> is that no, the that, most? Yeah. Is well, that wait. the most a person, a single person, has been shot on screen? It's a hundred percent necessary for sure. It's so many guns on him. <laughs> they don't even show him because he would literally be gone. He'd be vaporized. Uh, all right, all right. Who, who do you think does the best, Chris Walken? Because what we need is Chris Walken doing the the. I want every gun on that man. More. More, yeah, it's from Star Wars. Ah, the, I, I want every gun on that man. Yeah, too high, too high. Go, go a little lower. I want every gun on that lower, man. Lower, lower, lower. I want every. Oh wait, you, you, you I gotta go gravelly walking. Well, because he's gravelly gun. walking in this movie. Yeah, I want every gun on that man. More, more. It's not bad. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, I, I'm in. We, we need Blake. Blake, Blake is our our go to walking. I. Okay. I gotta say, like, Sonny Corleone maybe gets shot more, but I, I don't think so. Yeah, There's I, like uh, 15 guys shooting him. It's so absurd. It's, it is, uh, it, it reaches borderline parody. But again, the whole thing is sort of a dreamy, not real thing. So, yeah. uh, I mean, is it yeah. deliberate? I don't know. Anyway, so perhaps the greatest leap in logic 
in this movie, which is full of them, is then Doyle's men taking Joe captive, that's EB, because they know Smith isn't dead because he was supposed to be at this barn they lit on fire and they counted the bodies in the building they burned to the ground. They totally would have known how many bodies were in there. <laughs> oh my God. Anyways, Smith likes Joe, so he's not happy. He murders maybe 12 people to start the final fight. Reloads once. <laughs> uh, once. I get it. Don't ask questions, but it's, it's egregious. Uh, other than that, the final 10 minutes of this movie are the best 10 minutes of this movie, and it's pretty glorious. So what I would only point out in the reloading thing is that there are times where the movie does stop for him to reload when it's dramatic, but the rest of the time it's like fuck it, shoot, shoot as much as you want. Nineteen ninety. That's why yeah. it's that. That's why it's noticeable. Yeah, rest- again, well, one of the things is it's nineteen ninety six, and like gunplay culture, which is a huge thing nowadays, did not exist back then. I mean, you only had so many like random hillbillies who are super obsessed with guns who might get mad at this movie. And then you had the random moviegoer who was just like, whatever, like pew 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 uh, pew, 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 pew. Guns, 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 I like that diehard. I'm just yeah. saying, for the majority of the movie, he reloads as if he's playing Area 51. He just subtly points the gun off screen. <laughs> no, well, for for most of the movie, yes, and there is a section where they show him reloading after they do that cut screen of him putting together what I can only assume is 300 magazines, which to carry around. You would need a gigantic yeah, no. fucking duffel bag. Yeah, it's it's like where is he putting all these? Like, so, those things that uh, they don't. It's not like they're lightweight. Like they, it weighs a fucking ton, especially since he's shooting a nineteen eleven. So, I mean, same your, same gun as your, the Punisher. Well, in pick the your Punisher poison. Do you, do you just want to ignore the fact that gun physics? don't exist or do you want to have to have bruce willis go through the nonsense of reloading is gun physics different than regular physics or yeah it's just physics that's really just to guns. physics uh, applied to guns all right come on yeah so anyways then we finally have our standoff with hickey who pulls the same shtick he pulled in mexico which is awesome in mexico you know uh, like the kind of guy you know, shoot an unarmed guy unarmed guy in the back of course he wins the, the draw and then Hickey's body is clutching the wrong gun because the Tommy gun he uses throughout the movie, he drops at the beginning of the scene and then they show him dead with it. And that's because, folks, they shot two death scenes for Hickey and then they screwed up the editing. Uh, He drives off into the sunset, the end, which brings us last man standing. How many beers are required? McCheese. Uh, mm, I mean, it clocks in at like, what, an hour 40? It's an hour 40 minutes. Yep. And it and that's it, with credits. It literally ends at one thirty-five. Okay. Um, I mean, normally I would give it like a three. I'm not going to categorize them as pain or enjoyment beers. Again, I like this movie has a weird spot in my heart because I liked it a lot back when we were in college, but now it just eh, just doesn't hold up. So I'd say three beers. 30 minutes per beer. Yeah, three to four beers. I'm not going to label them enjoyment or pain beers. Okay. Yeah, no, that tracks. Yeah, that's fair. I, I, I'd call that three, two. I, I'm in the same wheelhouse. It's it's not great and it's not bad. And as long as I'm having a couple drinks and kind of hanging out, yeah, whatever. 
I don't I don't regret the the time I spent watching this movie and maybe I'd feel differently if I had to pay money to watch it like I have some of the movies we watched but you know I was more bummed out that like I rewatched it I was like oh man I thought this used to be so cool and it's just not that good anymore but then again like we talked about at the beginning of the pod you're comparing it to everything since then which is not really fair if you think about it it's yeah it, I mean I do that with a lot of action movies now like that just don't hold up but i'd say three and i it's like one and a half pain beers and one and a half enjoyment beers i like elements i agree with that i mean that's a good split considering that like this could have been way better if they gave it a little more effort but it's not fucking atrocious well everything i don't like about the movie is the plot so it's like i like i love walking in it uh i think it's miscast in a lot of ways and we can talk about that after our first break but Yes, one and a half pain, one and a half enjoyment. It some of the gunfights are still pretty cool, even though the gun physics make no sense. I love when he blows the dude Finn out of the doors, like old school, like just it's like something you'd see in a western. Because it's it's literally through the swinging doors of a saloon. It's like it's 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 the it's a spaghetti western thing where the like the physics don't matter. So like you get shot by a gun and like crazy shit happens. So. That's going to bring us into our first break. And the immediate question after the second break is going to be a little bit more about how this movie would be better. Uh, So let's hear from our beer bros over at Hot Nation USA. We're going to grab another Furious IPA from Surly Brewing Co. And we'll see you on the other side. Hey, everyone. This is Steve. And this is Adam. And we're part of the Hot Nation USA podcast. Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrewing. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation. Hello and welcome back to the 123rd episode of Hops and Box Office Flops presented by Wabam Entertainment. And we are talking Last Man Standing. No, not the okay, Tim. Stop talking about Tim Allen. <laughs> uh, uh, hey, neighborito. <laughs> More power. Uh, oh, 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 oh. Yeah. God damn it. Hey, Tim neighbor. <laughs> what a douchebag. Um, <laughs> uh, yep. So we're talking Last Man Standing, the 1996 Bruce Willis Prohibition era gangster film set in Jericho, Texas and directed by the great Walter Hill. My first question, and we've talked about this a little bit as the pod's gone on, that Walter Hill's original cut of this movie was over two hours long. And some of that scrap footage can actually be seen in the trailers and other promotional materials. Uh, There was even an alternate death scene, as I mentioned, for Hickey, because it made no sense that he was still holding the Tommy gun when he's dead because he wasn't holding it. Uh, Would you care to see that? And would that fix a lot of the problems with this movie? Captain Cash. Tough call. On the one hand, yes, I'd be interested to see it because, as we've mentioned, very clearly this movie was Frankenstein together. and, And I don't know why. Uh, like what's the impetus to go f- to shave 30 minutes off of this thing? I don't, I don't get it. I mean, maybe 1996, right. it was different. Yeah. Her release time. I don't, he, I mean. here's the thing. I found no, 
I found nothing about why this got cut Studio meddling? I, got, I found nothing. Like, you could even say, like, oh, well, you could have more show times. But at two hours versus an hour 40 or 205 to an hour 40 like that's not a big slap like yeah but you're not you're never gonna find a lot of you're never gonna find a lot of solid data from 1996 about how people made decisions on movies but it's weird because some movies we do there's so much information about why that movie was cut to hell and there's nothing out there about what happened why it happened and where the, the director's cut is yeah, I mean, it could be one of those things where the studio was like, hey, if we shave off 30 minutes, we can squeeze in a whole nother showing every night because you can only see it in theaters. And that's how they believed they were going to achieve more money or some nonsense like that. I mean, I have no idea. I, I, I don't know why you wouldn't at least retain the director's cut. Like that, that is a back end dollar producer to give to fans. Like, yeah, I mean, I hear that, but 96, that shit didn't exist then. No, my, that's so true. It's like my bigger question more, for, yeah, like from a, a what, what happened here financially? This movie doesn't seem like it should have been that expensive to film. Well, the oh, original yeah, budget sure. was, original budget was 40. Okay. So, whatever yeah, we all, troubles we all know were Bruce demands 25. <laughs> whatever troubles were going on behind the scenes, the budget ballooned. I, I imagine extended shooting schedules. That means locations. Uh, obviously, they reshot the ending, uh, amongst other things. So, yeah. I was about to say, the cast isn't cheap. You have a fairly expensive cast here. I mean, I hear it, but it's 96. I mean, Bruce Dern was has always been pretty big, but he was always kind of a character actor. EB was, wasn't EB Farnham by then. Willis was the biggest name. Well, walking, walking. You have to I mean, walking wasn't small time, decent obviously. Amount. And then you're paying them for the extra time. But yeah, I mean, I'd love to see it. If it exists somewhere, I'm always down. I'm the director's cut guy. And if a movie is obviously troubled, I'd rather see the director's cut. Like if the movie has clear problems with all the stuff you took out, I'd like to see maybe if it works better. If you didn't do that, obviously there's examples where the movie works excellently when they cut it down and it doesn't work as well with the small rats, it. man. Yeah. Listen, so, I love Kevin Smith, but that was one time executive meddling really worked out. Yeah. And I, I think it, it goes both ways, obviously, but I'm always down to watch a director's cut. Now, sometimes it's just bullshit that they do like the Baywatch director's cut. And it's like one extra thing. And it's like, this is bullshit. Like yeah, this is a, a that, that was cut. the cancer of the unrated cut. Thanks for nothing, American Pie. Yeah, yeah. So, best shootout or action scene? Maybe we'll be unanimous here. McCheese, we'll start with you. Well, I mean, now that you say we're unanimous, I want you to go first. I'll go first. That's fine. Um, I'd say the end because the last ten minutes of the movie are incredible. But I'm gonna go with Hickey in Mexico, where he essentially walks into the to the Mexican bar pulls out the Tommy gun, mows down a bunch of Mexican federales, and then does the, you wouldn't shoot an unarmed back, guy in the back bit and shoots the guy square in the head. Make and, you play. And just takes wow. Giorgio, Make the halfwit, play. out of there. And it's incredible. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out like if there's anything in this movie that stands out more than the rest of the movie. I mean, obviously everything with walk-in is great. 
I mean, there's nothing that like I want to label as the best quote unquote action scene. I mean, I do appreciate where they finally make Bruce Willis start reloading his fucking gun. That's nice. So they can, you know, Honestly, keep it keep it somewhat true to how you would have to operate in the real world. I'd give it to the opener though. Like when Bruce Willis throws away uh what whatever it is the, <laughs> when he hits that ass bag with a cannonball yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah. when he, he does, does like uh, a backflip out the door i mean there, that's there is like, a bit whoa. of cathar- there is a bit of catharsis there where you're like this dude is just trying to drive through your town and you have a bunch of hoods that fuck with him and then instead of just being like i need a new tire it murders the same guy i do i do like that angle he hits him with the same cannonball the ninja turtles hit the guy with in ninja turtles 3 <laughs> Essentially, yeah. Uh, that's actually I actually really like that, and it's very reminiscent of a scene they use later in The Punisher when he goes and steals all Howard Saint's money. Well, he doesn't steal; he just dumps it out the window, and he gets the two guys in the lobby. Yeah, I, I love it. I really like that scene. Just like who's, say- who's got the better draw? Which to me is like, if you make an old West movie, you have to have the scene where who's the better gun? Who's got the better gun? Who's the yeah. faster guy? Listen, and we're never going to do this on the pod because it, it did so fucking well. But Tombstone perfected that. Four, oh, four years 100%. earlier. Yeah. yeah we, we, when Val Kimmer goes and like draws the guns as fast as blinking, you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> wow. OK, yeah. no, I get it. When he you know, meets we start Johnny doing- Ringo in the woods. We could start doing good movies on the pod and just abandon the whole flops thing. Listen, that's not the no. worst heard. That's Damn not the it. worst plan I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. Listen, there's a we've had a lot of good times talking about bad movies. Now, would I like to talk about good movies? Certainly. But people like bad movies. Hops, hops and hits. Yeah. Hits and hops. No, we can hit, we can definitely hit, come hit with something. To the Big question. Is this the most absurd action movie we've seen in terms of blatant disregard for reloading? I'm going to go no. No. I need to think. Like, what else have we done? We've done a handful on this that made me super super mad. We did Face Off. (laughs) Yeah. You guys honestly have to remember that. I don't remember a lot of Face Off since I fell asleep during that. Because I took your face (laughs) off. Because we took your face off, yeah. I'm just trying to think of if there is a movie that reloading doesn't exist as I mean, much it, as this. it certainly did not exist in The Long Kiss Goodnight. So. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think there was a I, period. I still like that movie. I don't care. There's definitely a period in Hollywood where reloading was more of a suggestion and not like, oh, the actual public realizes that guns have capacity. I'm 100% going with Face Off because Face Off. Uh, it's a better movie than this, obviously. Uh, the action scenes are just better. The gun but, noises are probably worse because the like... <laughs> the action scenes just don't give a shit about being realistic in the slightest. So, face like, off, literally, you could have just had the whole gun scenes overlaid with people going pew 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 pew. pew, pew, pew. They're playing laser bang, tag. Bang 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 yeah, bang, bang, like, bang 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 bang. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, give give me the bang bang cut. <laughs> <laughs> do you think we could make some money on refilming face off but it's just us instead of gunshots it's just us going bang 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 bang, 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 bang. <laughs> uh i 
if we do, if we really commit to doing that thing where Travolta just touches people's faces, like we uh, have those <laughs> sentimental scenes. God damn it. Oh, uh, I think we make money. No, I don't uh, want to, okay. I don't want to redo the whole movie. I just want to redo the audio when they're shooting the gun. Oh no, we got to have the face touching. Okay. Gun. Listen, listen, we can have the, <laughs> I face think that's touching. more of a you thing and not the group thing. We can have the face touching, but it has to play like a, like a greasy sound effect when he does it. Like, like when uh or like when you like are doing your your squeegeeing your windshield like a, yeah, yeah exactly uh, so yeah that would work this yeah. is the most important question of the pod i think is who did it better coitus gunfighting cage or willis no question cage cage yeah. cage yep. managed to stay in Stayed the whole in. time yeah. he was still performing the act of sex while murdering people which is Willis, uh, he kind of chickened out. He had to, he had to duck out. Yeah, he did know? a big tuck and roll out of the, uh, out of the bed to out of shoot. the sex. Got a tuck and roll out of the sex. Yeah. That's Meanwhile, just, uh, Cage is like literally still going. Listeners, because if, <laughs> if Nicholas sold, Cage dedicates that, himself to a role. If if we sold a shirt that was simply tuck and roll out of the sex, would you buy it, listeners? Let us know in the comments. I, I mean, it's got to be Cage for sure. That it's, it's so much commitment, Cage. not only to uh, being a respectful partner. He cared uh, about how <laughs> his partner felt. He really did. Yeah. He was not going to leave her in the lurch. That's a good call. Yep. So Cage, gentleman and a badass, and from hell. So Andy check, check, check. And he owns a pig. Yep. Uh, my last question is, and we kind of talked about it. What is more offensive? Is it how hard the Italians tried to sound Italian or how little the Irish tried to sound Irish? Well, I, they didn't actually try to sound Irish. I'm firmly in the latter. I think if you're not going to try at all, you're, it's sort of disrespecting the craft of acting. <laughs> and like, I, I'm trying to see if I can agree with you because... Strassi is awful. The dude from The Sopranos at least is Italian, but like but he's Emeru- just—he's just playing himself. <laughs> yeah, he's just being himself. He uh, like he is just doing—he's just leading up to doing The Sopranos. So like, yeah, this is warm up exactly. role. But like everyone in the Irish gang is not fucking Irish. His, I mean, I, I like how their Irish Italian. Version, I like how their Irish version was to make. Uh, What's his face have red fucking hair? That was it. <laughs> Walken. Walken got orange hair. Listen, yeah. I agree, but I would have allowed it to play out if we just got one scene where Doyle put a bunch of bottles on his fingers and went, Strazi, come out and play. Yay. I mean, all the cast and crew is there, at least to do like an outtake scene. This just is what one. we would have gotten come with on. the director's cut jerks strazi when like, the, they uh, could even have done like a fake little at like they could have done a good bunch of outtake scenes with like they do like a sully they do a warriors like, well warriors it would have been enjoyable it's, uh, it's a walter hill movie so yeah exactly so that is going to take us into our second break and uh Before we return with our Jericho Trivia Challenge, you're going to hear from our good buddies over at the Double Turn Podcast. Wrestling rules, y'all. We'll be right back. 
Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Boss Ross. And I'm the J-Man, and we're the Double Turn Podcast. Every Friday, we bring you the best in pro wrestling talk. Whether it's previews and reviews on pay-per-view events, discussing the hottest topics in pro wrestling, or bringing you a look back to some of the best matches and moments in history. We have it all for you. So check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the Anchor app. And you can also give us a follow on Instagram at the Double Turn Podcast. And we will catch you on the flip side. Welcome back to the 123rd episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by Wabam Entertainment. And we are on to the Jericho Trivia Challenge for Last Man Standing. Gentlemen, we have a standard five-question multiple-choice format quiz. To chime in, either stick with one of our stalwarts, farts and tarts, or I'm going to shoot an absorbent amount of bullets, or say, you want to die for a half-wit, or you shit heel. <laughs> You shit heel. Probably that's, my favorite uh, David Patrick Kelly moment of the movie. That's, I think, maybe the biggest challenge of this film. There's not like a real good catchphrase out of any of it. There's no yippee kaye, none of it. Like, if it had one line, like the closest you get is you you see like the kind of fellow who would shoot an unarmed man in the back. Nope. That's and he's not the you know hero per se. Yeah, but yeah, but it, I don't think this is the kind of movie you're going to lean on for a one-liner. It'd be nice, but it's not what you're looking back at. Yeah, no, but it would help you remember it the way that Yippie Kaye does, or you know, almost anything. For sure, yeah. There's just I no mean, if hook. there was something to like, because honestly, a lot of the movies instantly forgettable because it's so convoluted. But mm. we talked about that. So number one, in its opening weekend, Last Man Standing got trounced by this film. Is it A, the first wives club? Is it B, first kid? Is it C, tin cup, future pod episode? Or is it D, fly away home? I'm going to shoot. Captain Cash. I really want it to be first wives club. It is. (laughs) (laughs) It was a total Hail Mary, but like, that's fantastic. I really wanted to answer tin cups and tin cups mine, but I knew it was definitely not tin cup. Yeah, because I mean, it's on the pod later, so. All these yeah. movies would have trounced it, put it that way, because First Wives Club, it was its opening weekend. The other movies, what it was not. What the fuck is First Wives Club? What is that about? Oh, dude, come on, man. It's that exactly Hitler like the dude. town. Yeah. Where you been? <laughs> it, it's, it's a bunch about, of ladies who... It's about a bunch of first wives? wives? Yeah. Yeah. Like, their, their husbands They're have divorced. all gone on and they Why suck. are you two so into this movie? Because it's good. Oh Christ! Uh, it made eighteen point nine million compared to Last Man's seven million. Yikes! Plus, I'm I'm pretty sure First Wives Club went on to like, it has a, a show, right? I think it does. Yeah, like yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's like, like a, I figure like, the two of you would know because you're so into it. It was like an enduring property. It was a very popular oh, movie. God. Diane Keaton, Goldie Hawn, Bette Midler. Yeah, Maggie Smith is in it. Dude, it's legit. The day Maggie Smith, excuse yeah. me. I don't I don't mean to offend anybody. So one anyway. nothing, Captain Cash. Oh yeah. Uh number two, as we mentioned, this was a reimagining of Akira Kurosawa's Yojimbo, but that was also inspired by another work, which was Dashiell Hammett's novel of this name. Was it A the Thin Man? Was it B Nightmare Town? Was it C Red Harvest? Or was it D Blood Money? Farts and tarts. Captain Cash. Red Harvest. That's correct. Yep. 
I, uh, I, I couldn't remember what it was. I needed the multiple choice. Yeah. So Dashiell Hammett was actually a Pinkerton agent. And so, so you know, he was a prick. So Red Harvest was sort of loosely based on his experiences as a Pinkerton. Uh, it also inspired the 1930 film Roadhouse Nights. This so. quiz is, is right. that like a, a sexier version of Roadhouse? I hope. It's like Baywatch Nights. There's yeah, vampires. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Road- my, my big question is, do we get to see Patrick Swayze's dick in Roadhouse Nights? I hope. Uh this quiz seems unfair. Does, it seems does like his all dick, of these questions are for Captain Cash. Does no, his no, dick do sweaty so. Tai Chi? Of course. In sweats. Right. Yeah. Nice. His dick is wearing sweats doing Tai Chi. Uh, number three, it's two nothing. This actor, who'd worked with Hill before, was the director's choice to play Hickey. The studio chose Walken. Was it A, Michael Perret? Was it B, James Remar? Was it C. Willem Dafoe or was it D. William Sadler? I'm going to shoot McCheese. I'm going to only go with Dafoe because I don't know who the other three are. Incorrect. It is not Willem ah, Dafoe. Damn it. What could a 96 Dafoe have done it? Yeah, 96 Dafoe could have played For that sure. Out. For sure. Yeah. Who are, my, who are my options left? Your remaining options are A. Michael Perret, B. James Remar, or D. William Sadler. I don't know if those Ooh. are real people. So I know I know the director worked with Remar, and I'm pretty sure he worked with Sadler. And and Sadler was on kind of like a late 90s, early 2000s. Is he a bad guy? Is he a good guy? I mean, he was the bad guy for Die Hard 2, which came out eh, six years prior. Remar, final answer. James Remar is correct. Because uh, at that point, like Sadler had kind of made the turn where he just kind of he was no longer a full on bad guy. He was just kind of asshole, but actually with a heart of gold. Yeah. For the record, Michael Prey played Tom Cody in Streets of Fire, which listeners, if you haven't seen Streets of Fire, go watch Streets of Fire. Willem Dafoe played Raven in Streets of Fire and William Sadler was done in the movie Trespass with iced tea all obviously with our director walter hill uh now two bonus points available mccheese to get you right back in the game because it is three to nothing there's no way two bonus points bring you right back in the game if you can name the films and the characters that james remar played in these walter hill movies I'd, i'd settle for the movies if you can just name the movies Oh, are you asking me? There's no fucking way. I well, don't I'm know asking what you're talking you. about. Oh, no. This is yeah, available to no. both of you. Maybe Captain Cash. I have no clue what you're talking about. I Remar was in Warriors. He was in Warriors. Yep. Um, Remar was in something else with him, too, though. Uh huh. But I don't remember what it was. 48 hours. Ah, so he was Ajax other big in the Warriors, one. and he was Gans in 48 Hours. Uh, and uh, Remar Rules, by the way, also pod favorite because he was uh, Wig Raiden in Mortal Kombat. He, <laughs> he was Wig Raiden in Annihilation. Wow. So this is pretty much over. Uh, Captain Cash has run away with this thing, but we do have two more questions. Number four. Yeah, I'm not very good at quizzes. This composer was originally hired to Jesus be the Christ, music why are they all composer questions? For the film before uh. being fired with over half of it done. Was it A, Ennio Morricone? Was it B, Elmer Bernstein? 
Was it C, Bernard Hermann, or was it D, Hans Zimmer? I'm going to shoot. Mary McCheese. The Elmer guy. It is Elmer Bernstein. Yeah! Oh, well done. Who did See, Ghostbusters? Like, uh, Marconi. Marconi would have been perfect for this. Yeah. And Hans Zimmer doesn't doesn't do a bad job ever. You know what I found out recently? His first American film, Rain Man. Zimmer? Yeah. Who knew? Well, I mean I, you, obviously. I did not. It was <laughs> on uh, the rewatchable. You learned it. All right. Yeah. Hey, you guys know. Good job. So uh, there's a point. That's good. Good. Strong. I like it. You're, you know, you're not totally embarrassed now. Number five. Why do you guys say totally embarrassed? You're well, because you were you had zero. Why do you make the question less hard, you yeah. fucking asshole? <laughs> Our last question. The film went through several title changes on the way to the screen. Which of these was not among them? Was it A, Gun Down? Was it B, yeah. Gangster? Was it C, Welcome to Jericho? Or was it D, The Stranger? I mean, is that the one where you sit on your hand? Till it goes to sleep. Totally different movie. Yep. In the original <laughs> script, it was just about oh, a guy who. Was, I'm gonna shoot the stranger. Yeah. It was, it was a chronic. Hold on, no, that's my know. answer. I'm gonna shoot, and the stranger comes right after that. The stranger is correct. That was not the title. <laughs> All the I, rest were. So I I actually kind of appreciate the gun down title, like because it's a sundown town, but it's a gun down town. This reminded me a lot of when we were talking about the rundown and there were several titles and they were all better than the rundown. Like it was like one way out and Hell Dorado and a couple of dicks was yeah. the best choice yeah. ever. I would, so. Yeah. After listening to your guys's pod on that, I really enjoyed a couple of dicks. <laughs> so I got good news, Captain Cash, because I've been preserving this and formaldehyde and other, you know, saying whatever people preserve things in i have lucy's ear for you <laughs> strazi's nice. girl so you're gonna get that uh you're gonna get her ear it's doing well seen better days but it's doing well enough yeah uh, i mean that's 30, your 25 press. years on right like yeah. it, this year is the 25th anniversary right i'm excited for their like uh their yeah. catch-up conversation where she's like we're going back to Chicago. And he's like, I got you here, babe. How many heart attacks does that make for you, Stratzy? Yeah, it's a baker's <laughs> dozen, Doyle. Uh, so we're on to recommendations. So that's cool. Um, we'll start with Captain Cash. What do you have on tap for us this week? This week, I'm going to just recommend rewatch Suicide Squad because I'm pretty sure it's going away from HBO Max pretty soon. By the time you listen to this, it might already be gone. So you're done fucked up. You should have watched that movie. Um, but, yeah, yeah. No, it'll still be there, but just for a couple of days. It was yeah. August 5th, right? Mm, so you get 30 days. I'm not sure. Either way. Yeah. So watch Gotta it. watch it. Yeah. Um, but in less like recommending the same thing twice, um, I've really been enjoying a, a YouTube show called Caravan of Garbage where it's just these two Aussies from Melbourne talking about like all kinds of just nerdy shit. It, it's, it's very enjoyable. Do they talk about caravan of courage? No, that's one Not of the, as far Ewok, as I've seen it's one of the Ewok movies. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I bet it comes up. They've definitely talked shitty star Wars stuff, which so. is, which is in itself a caravan of courage. <laughs> so, well, I mean, it's called that it, the, 
the stuff that they discuss on the show isn't necessarily like they think it's bad. It's more just we said and they actually bring it up like we picked this name a long time ago. It We just this is what we're going with. We're branded already. We can't help it. Yeah, I guess once you're super committed, you can't change. But yeah, I really but, hope but they're they fun. talk about that movie. Uh, cool. Uh, check that out. Caravan of Garbage, YouTube. Uh, McCheese, is your recommendation not to suck at quizzes? <laughs> yeah, so my recommendation this week is, I don't know if anyone else has noticed, but Stephen King came out with a new book called Billy Summers. I it did not. It is not a horror book. And if I want to describe it without giving anything away, there was a couple of movies ago that I was on. I made the comment that I really enjoy when bad things happen to bad people. And that's essentially this whole book. So if you like a book where really bad things happen to bad people, like they they get their comeuppance, they get their uh, uh, well-deserves, uh, you'll like this book it's not a horror book it is um kind of a straightforward revenge book and i would highly recommend it i churned through it in like two or three days on audiobook while i was traveling and it's awesome i i, I love it so go get billy summers okay billy summers by stephen king my recommendation for this week is pig which stars one of my favorite actors and a pod favorite nicholas cage the cage fighter. Yep. As a former five-star chef who's become a hermit in the woods, he procures mushrooms uh, for like a restaurant ingredients dealer. I don't know how the world of restaurants works, but that's sort of the plot. And then someone steals his prize, Truffle Pig. Now, as I describe that, it might sound pretty ridiculous. And maybe you think like, oh, this is about him and going and getting revenge and getting his pig back. But that's not the movie at all. Um, it's a really fantastic film that's excellently acted uh and it's a portrait of grief and loss and forgiveness um this is cage at the top of his game it's an incredible movie and if you love nicholas cage and you're like hey you know like it sucks that he's sort of an internet punching bag and i know i'm guilty of that just as much as anybody is but <laughs> he's still doing good work and this is an example of it and we should celebrate that good work because he's insanely good in this movie really brings you back to some of his finest performances so i can't recommend that movie highly enough watch pig i was going to recommend it last week but i thought it was so funny to recommend the shitty bruce willis movie where he's a pittsburgh uh, river policeman <laughs> striking I, distance yeah but i went with that so remember you can find the show on facebook twitter and instagram at hops and bo flops you can find myself uh, bootlegging and border towns across the Southwest, but also on Twitter at writer. Okay. You can find captain cash doing all sorts of captain cash. things at C A P T C A S H on all social medias. And you can find mayor McCheese at HBOF McCheese on Twitter. And remember to check out Wabam entertainment at wabamentertainment.com for all your nerd essentials. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and be sure to like, share, and subscribe and connect with us on social media to share ideas for future episodes. In fact, we just received an idea for a future episode, and I think uh, we may be able to work that in, uh, along with some other ideas we have brewing. So in the end, the funny thing about people 
one time out of a hundred, they turn out to be better than you expect, which is probably the truest thing that Bruce Willis's character says in this movie. And we will see you next week for the start of our hops and sports ball flop series with the college football classic, the program Jimmy Conn returns. <laughs>